All right, welcome to another week on the Between Two Pines podcast. Vic, this week we have your your normal hosts, uh, Zach, myself, Austin, and then this week we have a special guest, uh, Gabe, who's going to be giving us a little insight into being a park ranger out west and uh, hopefully gives us some insight on his experiences and explaining uh, you know, his job duties and other things like that. We're also going to talk about some of the news this week. We got some great news articles, some interesting stuff. We'll talk about the things that we did this week, and then we will also talk about hot gear, cold beer, as usual. So, uh, Zach, let's get right into it here. Uh, what did you do this week? Anything fun and exciting in the outdoors? Uh, this last week, not a whole heck of a lot. I've just been running my trap line. Um, caught another real pretty gray fox. And then a couple more raccoons, um, helping the landowner kind of support his turkeys and bob white quails and rabbits and whatnot. And I love catching fur, so I'm just putting out more sets and just kind of running these last couple of weeks of trapping season. Yeah. So I know this is your second gray fox. Um, I mean, what are you, I know the first one you said is going on the wall. What's your plans with this one? This one, I might uh, try and just tan it myself. Everybody loves buying fox hides. Um, just a great decoration piece to have, but they're not fetching too much money right now. I think I see in between 5 and 10 bucks per fox, so it's too pretty of a pelt to kind of just give away at that price. I might try and do something decorative with it. Somebody would like it. Yeah, a nice pillow or something like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's also what I'm going to try and do with all these raccoons. I got a couple in the freezer. I'm self-tanning them all, and I'm going to try and actually use them for uh, clothing production or decoration and see, just see if there's a market for that out there. Yeah, that'd be super cool for sure. Um, anything else? Um, not a lot. We did. I did some more cooking, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, for sure. Gabe, how about you? What did you do in the outdoors this week? Um, I know you guys got some crap weather down there in Illinois. Yeah, mostly just uh, snow removal stuff. It's pretty cold down here, but not cold enough for ice fishing or anything like that on small ponds. But, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the weather to give us what we want just so we can go out and have some fun. And, and Gabe, I know you work uh, in uh, kind of pond and uh, – aqua remediation uh is that been kicking off yet or is that still uh on hiatus for the winter um well we're in our maintenance phase right now we're just kind of doing some trailer maintenance spray equipment maintenance and you know everything's gonna get beat up with all the degradable chemicals that we use so you know rust is a big enemy for us yeah oh cool yeah and then uh, did you get the little guy out at all uh i did i didn't whip him down a snow hill yet but <laughs> he's he's about almost 18 months he's ready to go <laughs> yeah there's there's no no joy in a child's life like being afraid for your life as your father pushes you down a giant hill at Mach 10 speeds <laughs> um, there's you know that's something you never forget mm -hmm. you never forget your first time absolutely not <laughs> or ramming a kid at the knees that's always fun because you have zero control over the sled just getting smoking another small child breaking his fibia that's always you know it's a good time um yeah and then uh, this week i mean i really didn't do much either i mean this weather was kind of kind of but oh i did i went snowboarding last week that was pretty fun uh yeah i mean the girlfriend we went out hit up granite peak um she's uh still learning how to snowboard but she did pretty well um, so got out, did that. It was a lot of fun, but beyond that, yeah, just, um, not a whole heck of a lot. Just, uh, just hanging out, working on my snowmobile. Like you said, a lot of snow removal here. We got probably close to a foot of snow here. So that snowblower has been working overtime for me recently. So just doing that and then little inside stuff here and there, but yeah, nothing too special. That's the other thing I was going to say is I was planning on going to the ice fishing tournament in Iowa. But yeah. I made it to about St. Louis, and they were already talking about the next couple of days closing all the interstates and stuff up in Iowa. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, that storm, we got pounded here, yeah, for Yeah, sure. they had, like, 50-mile-an-hour winds, plus, like, six to eight inches of snow, and then it rained, and then it froze on top of that. So 
that is the worst ice fishing conditions you could ask for for ice quality because once you get that rain and then snow on top of it that's going to weaken the ice one and two it is just going to make it hell to actually fish in because you'll be going through six inches of snow breaking through that thin layer of ice and then going in six inches of water yeah it just gets crispy on top and soupy below and I made it to St. Louis and I started getting sleet and stuff all over my windows and they were already getting skeptical skeptical about going. So I just said, screw that. So I found the closest Bass Pro on the way and spent some money there and then just made the trip back. So it was kind of a waste of a day, but you know. Well, isn't the, uh, isn't the headquarters in Missouri? Uh, Yeah, Springfield. That's uh, about two and a half hours west of me. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, you should have stopped at Mecca and then, uh, and then turned around, but yeah, well, that's cool. Looks like everyone got out a little bit, a uh, little, little uh, razzle dazzle outside. But yeah, welcome to the Midwest, yeah. where eighty percent of our time is snow removal, and the other twenty percent is drinking ourselves to warmth. Is uh, <laughs> what it's what it really is. So, um, yeah. So uh, I'm thinking we could uh, we could get right into the articles here. Um, Zach, uh, you as a as a <clears throat> professional in the field and. Uh, a man that knows a lot about his licenses. Um, could you talk a little bit about this, uh, this first story about is uh, in Georgia, these people, I'm assuming Nigerian princes or the <laughs> same people that made the Nigerian prince one are making uh, fake websites for fishing licenses and the licensing, uh, the website, at least the screenshot that they show here on the, uh, on this news site. Um, it looks like a very legit website uh but yeah they're creating these websites they're saying you know get your fishing licenses this one in particular is for georgia but i saw it um for other states as well where these people are filling out all their info getting social security numbers getting your money and then they just take it and you get nothing so you've you've given in you've played yourself um i, love, I think like many other, you know that oh god you know it's like international people because they go and pick a state like so stereotypical like Georgia or they're just sitting around talking like what's a state that just a bunch of rednecks that fish a bunch they'll just give us all their money and they'll kind of yeah. collectively look at each other and all just at the same time go Georgia <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I think this one yeah what they say this website was called was uh yeah searches for Go- uh, Georgia fishing license yeah it's just popping up in the google ads as Georgia fishing license dot online um but uh, they did provide a link. So if you're in any of these states, go to your DNR actual websites. Don't give out any of your info. And I guarantee that everyone that fell for this was at least 50 years or 50 years old or older. What do you think? I was going to say, like, there's no way that there's anybody younger because the technology jump from this generation is just ridiculous. And I know my mom and my dad, they're just staring at their phones with glasses <laughs> all the way down at the bottom of their nose, and they can't even see what's going on. So they're probably, they're probably just Googling the first thing, and, you know, the first one that pops up, that's what they're hitting, but they don't even know what the DNR is. It, yeah, they don't even realize that it just it, it says Google ad right next to it. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you do have, I guess the main takeaway from this is just uh, – you know, look at your stuff. This is more of a PSA rather than a uh, funny news article. But, uh, yeah, just when you're buying your fishing licenses or any licenses, make sure that it's a secure website. Make sure that it's actually a DNR-sanctioned website. Don't get burned, but also buy your fishing license. Don't let this scare you away from buying your fishing license because all of that money, or at least the majority of it, goes towards actual conservation. Um yeah, so just just yeah, stick to that. Use the standard websites anytime. And then uh, anytime, anytime you're gonna put that in there, you know, mm-hmm. don't just double check. Ask somebody, see if they know what they're talking about too. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, somebody else will. Yes, exactly. So uh, we got another website of or another article here of <laughs> another what I would have to assume once again. This has got to be someone over the age of fifty. Old heads, but some uh, <laughs> old heads are uh, are doing this. So, um, yeah, the, these folks uh, they they were using the way they were using the Waze app, which I don't even use. Do you guys use the Waze app? I've never even heard of it. This is my first time hearing of it as well. So the Waze app is basically uh, it's a, a 
like a MapQuest or your Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever. It's just the mapping service, which is funny that people are still using Waze because Waze is now Google-powered. Google bought them out, so I don't even know why you're using Waze. Just use Google Maps. Um, but uh, they were looking to go to Atlantic City for some gambling. And boy, did they gamble wrong because I would not have, uh, I definitely would not have uh, gambled after this night because their luck is not on their side. Um, The Waze app uh, pinned the casino that they were going at 45 miles into the middle of a wildlife management area. Uh, So they ended up 12,000 acres away (laughs) in the the middle of a 12,000 acre reserve. Uh, 45 miles away from the casino and had to be rescued by uh, uh, by sheriff's deputies because they got lost there. I'm just picturing them like in the middle of a trail. Where's the casino? Where am I? Uh, yeah, so... I like to think yeah, that it's... Jesus was the one working the app because he's trying to get you to repent and go cleanse yourself out in the woods instead of going straight to the casino. Yeah, I don't... Uh... Yeah, the, the, and this is what the uh, the sheriff's deputies said. They said, currently the app is sending motorists into the wildlife area onto unpaved roads, which eventually leads them to becoming disabled. Disabled. <laughs> <laughs> Your legs just break as soon as you get to the end of it. They may have been disabled before they left. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm telling you, this. the casino is up here. I've been here before. <laughs> Trust me. I haven't seen. I just see owls. No, there's a casino. Don't worry about it. And the funniest thing about this is that it's Atlantic City. You know, it's not like they're going to the Ho Chunk Casino in the middle of Wisconsin, which that is kind of off the beaten path a little bit. But they're going to Atlantic City. That's like saying, like, oh, I'm going to Las Vegas, and then just ending up like in the middle of the Grand Canyon. You know, one is a lot different than the other. Right. But yeah, apparently there was a video that the the couple shared on Instagram, so I have to find that. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is pretty funny. Don't always give in. And Zach, I'm sure you can attest to this. Uh, being out in the woods is sometimes you set pins or you set a hunting spot that you think you mark correctly on your GPS, and then you end up pretty far away. So don't always trust them. Use your, uh, you know, if you're a Boy Scout or whatever, use your, uh, you know, your standard methods of of navigation of of land nav. Um, yeah, so we got that one. And Don't, learn your uh, paper maps. Yes, learn your paper maps for the love of God, people. Use that. Even if you have to use your Google Maps but without the direction, maybe look ahead of time. Use the satellite view. There's a big difference between a tree and a casino. <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, there's a big difference even on the satellite view. Um, yeah, so use your maps, folks. Um, Zach, do you want to bring us into this next one? Uh, this is. I would love uh, to. <laughs> Please bring us into this next one about this lovely goat. Uh, so there's this beautiful looking goat that if you haven't seen it, you need to go Google as soon as you hear this. But basically, this this goat was born <laughs> with uh, they call it a human looking face, <laughs> and I would say that's a very loose term. Oh. But um, born of this, oh this human-looking face, and these people in India are basically uh, saying it's an attractant uh, of people for miles and miles around, <laughs> comparing it to a sign of God. Uh, um, that's that's a bit of a stretch. I would go see it. I would drive to go see it. Another um, here's a here's a quote or a little sentence about it. It says the flat-faced goat is viewed as an omen by villagers in Nimodia, <laughs> India. I was going to oh, say, God. it had to be I'm from looking. India. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> place where this has to be coming out. <laughs> this thing is not from India. This thing is from hell. <laughs> the tongue oh, flapping. My. People, you got to go check this out. The tongue we'll flapping post- in the video. It, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look alive until it's moving around. And then you see the, the, it looks like pain in its eyes. I'll be honest. It looks like it's suffering. It, it, it doesn't look like it's going. I don't know. The thing, it was like lapping up milk and stuff. 
I guess it's like gonna live. Yeah, maybe. I was I don't reading know. in the article too. At the bottom, it was saying they're you know they have that a lot actually in India, and they see that as a sign of God all the time. And there was a cow that had you know multiple face features that were considered a mutation, and it lived for four to six months, but uh, you know just died eventually. It was some sort of uh, it, it, was it, yeah, it was eating its face. <laughs> I don't know what what happened but uh, clearly it wasn't made to survive in the wild so okay let's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys which i can't look at this thing without <laughs> laughing in horror i cannot this i'm definitely there's gonna be some memes made with this goat <laughs> on the instagram i promise that much i promise you um but let me ask you this and in these countries goats are eaten would you eat this goat oh, never <laughs> I would definitely shoot it, but yeah. that would be the last thing on my mind. Could you imagine yeah, that's putting what... that on your wall? So every time you go in the house, that's what you see. That guy's looking you in the face. You know you know what it looks like? It's looking at everyone finished. in the face all the time with how crazy it's eyes are. My, fa- my favorite, gumballs and pizza. <laughs> what is that from, Mr. D? Yeah. That's what he looks like. He's got Steve Buscemi eyes. Uh, but... Uh, the other thing, you know what this looks like, Zach? For those that are uh, from anywhere in the Midwest, there's a, a mount, a wall mount that you see at a lot of bars, and they call it usually the swamp ape or the swamp deer, and it is a mount that is of the deer's butt that they put the <laughs> eyeballs on. Yeah, That's legitimately what this looks like, and I'm horrified. Yeah. I'm horrified. <laughs> But oh gosh! Well, and here's another question: What, what would you name this goat? Hmm. I didn't even think oh, about God. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I want it out of my life so much. Uh, I don't have a name. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about the nightmares I'm going to be having tonight. <laughs> I'd name it. Get out! Because <laughs> that's what I'd say every time that I walked in. Oh gosh! It's so many videos now. Oh god. I'm so, okay, next article. You know what I would name next it? Art- I would name it Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wow. Great, great segue, Zach. You'd name it Mercy. You know what else they're naming Mercy, Zach? Coyotes. You want to talk about this article? Yeah, this one triggered me pretty good. Um, so basically, this coyote is in uh, Chicago. Lincoln Park, it attacked a kid, um, which it ran up on it and bit it a couple times. And the then they call them the caretakers of the child were able to... Uh, yeah, the, ki- the kid's super rich, so he's got two names, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. The boy's From caretakers and two witnesses fought off the animal, and the boy was taken to the hospital for injuries. Um Basically, the coyote, yeah, the coyote got nabbed up. We got tested. Uh, they linked it to, they linked the coyote they caught to the bite from the boy using DNA testing and whatever. And basically, now they're they decided not to euthanize the coyote, but to put it through rehab and use it for educational purposes down the line. This this story triggered me as well. Because I literally laughed and, uh, you know, I'll try and keep the politics of Chicago out of this. But people are getting shot left and right <laughs> in the city. <laughs> Murder capital of USA. And they can't even link cri- murders of people with DNA evidence. And they're over here using DNA evidence to link the coyote. <laughs> then they're giving it the good life after it attacks someone. Yeah. What is going on? What is going on in Chicago? Goodness. It uh, it it doesn't make sense. It's uh, only good coyotes a dead coyote. You know what they say, and this is just ridiculous. I just don't. I can't wrap my mind around what are they going to use for education? Like this is a coyote. This is the coyote that attacked a kid. All right, kids, look, let's pet it. Yeah, I don't get it. Gabe, what's your take on this? Well, here's there's two things I want to say. First of all, if if I have a dog and my dog bites your kid. I have to euthanize my dog, which is a domestic animal and a pet, you know, I have sentimental value be... to, and you know, that it's a, a whole different ball game. You know, this is a wild animal. Right. And the second thing, this has got to be the world's smallest coyote hanging out in Lincoln park 
eating garbage. This thing's trying to take a kid. This thing's starving, you know. So I don't I don't but, see how I don't see the issue with putting this thing out of its misery here. And I also yeah, read another piece that it had a BB lodged in its neck from somebody else shooting it in the past too. Really? So this thing's got it. Not only does it now have a taste for it, it's this is a street coyote. This is seeing the streets of Chirac. Yeah. And how <laughs> how, shot... how old was this kid? Six, six, six years, years old. old. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Don't just put the. I don't. I don't see it. I think the the city of Chicago. I'm sure this was supposed to be a puff piece on how they're rescuing coyotes. Which we just did an article or some stories last week of. How the coyote mobs of rabid coyotes are attacking raccoons on the lakefront, and so just why are you saving them? Just, just you know, you gotta you gotta get rid of some of them here. People's dogs are getting attacked in Chicago. It's it's nuts out there. Just get rid of the coyotes. Well, I, I don't get what they're going definitely to. a publicity stunt because they go and name it something like Mercy, Lamborghini Mercy. <clears throat> yeah. Come on, like you couldn't name it like bill or something yeah. <laughs> you, had to name it. You, had to na- you might as well have named it helpless little cute animal they should name it cujo because this thing's attacking me. yeah but well and and i'll be the king of the segue on this one zach you know or G- gabe you got a kid you know uh your kid gets mauled or gets attacked by a coyote are you going to want it to get rehabilitated or are you going to do what this guy did in the next article here? Gabe, would you want to lead us into this next article here? Yeah. So, you know, if I, my kid is in any danger, I'm going to put myself in, in the situation to mitigate that risk every single time, you know, whether it's a, an alligator, a dog, a coyote, whatever we're dealing with here, that's, that's my kid. So um, this next guy here, he, decides to take it into his own hands and literally Undertaker choke slams this coyote. I don't know if you have the audio available to play, but this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he, um I, I don't know that we could play the audio just for copyrights, but go on, explain explain what he did. He takes this coyote from his kids, body slams it, he gets his knee up on the ribs and he's holding them by the windpipe and he's got this coyote and choking him out you know he's, he's got him in the hole he's ready to go this coyote's rendered useless you know yeah this uh this story to me is what should be done and i know people are going to get up in arms about this but so be it like you said gabe uh if a coyote is uh, attacking someone that i know whether it be me my girlfriend my whatever anyone that i'm with um i'm i'm sending that thing to, I'm sending that thing as uh, Jorge Masvidal would say. I'm sending it to the shadow realm, and then coming back. I'm telling you that right now. Well, because uh, and the other thing, yeah. I mean, imagine you're in the wild and it's a bear or a moose or you know something else, a, c- a cougar. I'm sure you guys had that on your show. Uh, if you guys talked about that yeah. in Colorado when the guy choked out a cougar, I mean, he's on a run. Oh yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. That th- this is what needs to be done, and I think this is just uh, indicative. Uh, this is the exact opposite of the last story, and I think this is a good juxtaposition because, realistically, this is what can happen. And this guy got some wounds in the in the video that circulated. This guy had bite marks, and so did his kid. This guy grabbed this thing and choked it out. Rightfully so. I see nothing wrong with this. You got to protect yours, you know, yourself and uh, those around you in these situations. And like this guy was quoted as saying, it was just, uh, you know, he said the the strength of the survival instinct uh, kicked in. And I do want to make note that this guy said that he's never harmed an animal in his life. So it was a very weird experience, but he just he did what he had to do. And when you're in those situations, that's what's got to happen. And I'm also reading a different piece of the article and it was tested positive for rabies. Oh, wow. Exactly. Exactly. So now your kid, now you got to get a rabies shot. Your kid's got to get a rabies shot. Yeah. It was going to get put down anyways, you know. Well, and not if it was in Chicago, it'd get named, uh, you know, (laughs) get named, uh, I don't know, Little Bo Peep and uh, put it in a kid's sanctuary and say, it's misunderstood. It had rabies. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in Chicago, but this is the right way to handle this sort of thing. Uh, Zach, 
you, you've dealt with coyotes a lot with trapping. Can you attest to how voracious these little critters are? Uh, they are the smartest, keenest, uh, one of the toughest critters out there. Um, you know, they'll chew through steel cable if they have to. Um, yeah, they are. I've, I've seen multiple three-legged coyotes get caught in traps. I mean, for it to be able to live like that, they're just survivors. They, it's ridiculous the things that they'll do. And they're the most, uh, I don't know, witty, witty type of animal out there. And yeah. killing a couple, they'll be fine. You know. Yeah. So yeah, no, and that's uh, that's a story. I know this one's kind of a little bit of a downer on this one, but yeah, this guy uh, he, he grabbed that thing, choke slammed it, sent it to the shadow realm, and uh, maybe you know I like to think that he gave it a few elbow drops in the process. He went from the top rope and power bombed it. Um, but yeah, that uh, I think that covers the news articles for this week. Um, yeah, so we got uh, re- learn how to read your maps, use DNR websites. Uh, be, don't eat goats from India because it could be a human goat. We don't know. Every goat you uh, eat from India is that one. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> but uh, uh, Chicago would rather save a goat than, uh, than do the right thing. And uh, some guys will do the right thing when a goat attacks their small child. A goat. Or, oh, yeah, when a goat attacks or small, when a, when a guy, if that goat attacks my small child, I'd still be choking out. Yeah, you would have absolved attack... all sins on earth if you killed that goat with your bare hands. Yeah, so I think you just, you get carried up like the rapture. <laughs> get carried up for slaying the beast that is that goat. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, uh, that covers that. Um and uh, we got Gabe here guest hosting. So, Gabe, we wanted to talk to you, and this was kind of the main reason we brought you in. Um, we wanted to bring you in and talk to you kind of your experience working um, working with the Bureau of Land Management. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, working with the Bureau of Land Management and doing some rangering out west. And, uh, yeah, do you want to just kind of explain what your title was, Uh what you were doing and what led you to to that position. Yeah. So I was part of the off highway vehicle crew, which is, you know, ATVs, UTVs, dirt bikes, and that kind of stuff. Um, I was stationed in Kremlin, Colorado, which is a little bit Southwest of Estes park and Rocky mountain national park. Um, so we did work close with national park service Forest service, um, it was uh it was a lot of fun out there so my job was to do trail maintenance um kind of check registrations on the land um typically where we were was Walden Colorado and that is the only sandbox that you can ride motorized vehicles in Colorado um so it's a really cool place to go and you know there was all kinds of tricked out vehicles there it was like mad max man people had sand rails all kinds of cool stuff it was it was a blast and uh i had a lot of fun doing it so how does uh, how does someone get a position like this? Like, can you kind of explain the process of how, how you look for jobs and, and what made you pick that one? Um, so, yeah, th- th- it is a federal job and any federal job you have to apply on usajobs.gov. And the position that I had was a 1039, which means you can only work for 1039 hours. Um, otherwise, the federal government will have to pay your health benefits. Um, so this is just kind of a way for people just graduating or, you know, just kind of getting their foot in the door in the federal government to uh, work their way up the ladder. Um, there's different levels of of worker, I guess, um, you know, starting with your GS level three, four, five, six, you know, going up, up scale all the way up to 15, I believe. And um, so, like I said, you, you just do a couple of 1039 hours. Uh, I would say three to four would be enough to get you into a, a, full t- a full-time position, you know, about a year and a half of experience. And, um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I don't know what else to say about it, man. It was, it was a great place to be. And uh, most of the jobs there on usajobs.gov will give you housing. They'll give you um, 
you know, a sense of community in the housing. You know, you're going to be with the people that you're, you're working with. Um, so the sense of community is building there. And, uh, you know, everybody was really welcoming. And, you know, I, I went to Colorado being from Illinois. It was a pretty big move. And yeah, I, I didn't have any second thoughts about it or any, any issues with it. That's, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, you know, if you could, and you described it as the, uh, the sandbox, where, so if you could go into a little bit more in depth, so where is it? You said it was in Kremlin, Colorado. What exactly was your service area like? So this is Bureau of Land Management land. So, you know, can you touch on uh, how that differs from a national park or just describe the area that you were in and what that entails? Sure. So Bureau of Land Management is in charge of public land versus national park land is, is private land. Um, well, it's not private. It is owned by the people, but it's, it, there's more regulations and there's more rules. You know, you can't be hunting on national parks and stuff like that. Um, you, you need a lot more permitting and anything if you're going to be camping and um, hiking and stuff like that. So um, I'll just say, sorry, Gabe, I'll just some national parks you can hunt because I can hunt national parks down here. Oh, okay. Missouri. Really? Yeah, it's not. It's just uh, scenic riverways. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. not like a designated, like little, uh, you know, gated in park place. Sure. So I, I mean, I know National Park, uh, yeah, um, Rocky Mountain National Park, for instance. We definitely, you definitely can't be hunting there. And uh, but any public land, you can be hunting. You can trap and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the big thing there, just because of where we were geographically, we're you know, on the, just to the east, or just to the west side of the Rocky Mountains there. And um, it's a it's a valley. So we're at, you know, 7000 to 9000 feet altitude. And it's it's kind of uh, a desert. You know, we've got sage, we've got a lot of sand, and not a lot of plant life going on there. We do get snow about six months of the year. But uh, the other six months, it's 70 and sunny, you know, it's really beautiful out there. Um, so again, I it, it, the community being that and the, you know, the landscape being that the, um, all the people in the area are heavily invested in, um, you know, motorized vehicles, dirt bikes, ATVs. That's typically what they're doing in their pastime. So um, that's kind of how those jobs get created. Um, we need people to maintain the trails and to make sure people are following the rules. So the people vote and the budgets get passed in the, in the specific area. Um, so it would be like by county. So that was Jefferson County, um, Jefferson County, since it has, you know, the sandbox up north, it's got all sand in, in the area and all kinds of public land for you to ride in your uh, the the budget for workers and the budget for maintenance of the trails and all that kinds of things was was pretty uh, unlimited, I would say. But, you know, it, it fluctuates. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. And um, so, so. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Uh, so then, does your does part of your budget come from uh, users? Like, do they have to buy certain passes to ride, or do they need certain uh, stamps to be in certain areas, or different yeah. vehicles need different stuff like that? Yeah, different vehicles need different registration. Um, there's no fee for coming on there. Um, public land, you can camp f 14 days before, and then if you you either have to like move your site or leave and come back. Um, you have to prove that you've moved from the same area. So you can't just stay there for in the same spot for four months, you know, um, but you can stay in the same public land zone. You just have to move your, your site, but there is no fee um, for camping, for being on the land or anything like that. You just have to buy registration for all your vehicles with Colorado state or any state with public land. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and it, so there's not like a federal pass for using federal land. This is just considered public land. So I'm assuming with the registration, a portion of that goes towards federal, you know, grants and budgeting and stuff like that. Correct. And yeah. and being yeah. that many people buying the registration, that's how the budget gets so extended. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I'm so you're you're out there. You're in like this desert, and so there's. There's trails, and so are, is it like you have to stay on a maintain? So if I if I'm Joe Schmo and I have I bring my ATV out there and I get the required registration, and I want to go out there, is it just uh, kind of free for all where you could go wherever? Because I know I did some um, backcountry ATVing in Wyoming, 
And uh, you could just kind of, as long as you're on BLM land, you could just kind of go wherever you want. It's recommended, you know, do best practices and leave no trace and other things like that. But realistically, you could just go wherever you please. <clears throat> yeah, that is the case in most places. Um, there, It's going to be signed uh, most places you go. Um, that was a huge part of our job was placing signs for, you know, restricted areas and restoration areas. Um in public land, we are doing testing out there. There is soil teams, there is vegetation teams, there's, you know, um, invasive species teams doing doing work out there. So uh, we try to restrict those areas. It is really difficult, especially in places where you're allowed motorized vehicles because you, you can take those things anywhere, you know. Um, so typically what we would do is we would sign. If we see trails going past the sign, then we would – take some timber and, uh, you know, start piling it up. So that's the best way to stop a redneck from riding where they can't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, so what, what would you say? And I know you touched on a little bit, so could you describe kind of what the average day was for you? You know, you, you're on site, so you're in like a dorm or, you know, how, how does this work for someone that's looking for a job in this, you know, if you could describe the typical day, uh, you know, your duties and from when you wake up to when you go to sleep, what does your day look like as an off-road vehicle ranger? Um, so again, where we were was the budget was extended. So we were allowed to pretty much work as long as we wanted to for, you know, however long we wanted to, it was, it was all cleared by the budget. It was all cleared. So, um, I would wake up around eight o'clock and, it was, I wouldn't say a dorm. I mean, I had my own room. Some people had bunk up rooms with, with roommates, but I would say more of a, a duplex feel where there were six rooms on one side, six on the other, um, shared kitchen area. Um, you know, we had a pool table. It was a big, it was a big house. It was, it was cool, man. And, uh, so, you know, six, seven o'clock, I wake up, go to work. Like I said, pretty much whenever we, we designated the day before and, uh, check in with your boss and pretty much stock up for the day. So the the time when I was there, it was, there was a huge fire on independence mountain, um, which is way up North in Jefferson County, um, by Walden, a small town just South of the, uh, Wyoming border. And, uh, so there was a huge fire, I believe it was in 2016. So we were re-signing and re designating trails um we were setting some restoration areas just so that we could allow for growth to remain um all throughout that there was hunters and all kinds of stuff going on people could ride obviously there at all times but uh so we would just kind of stop and talk to people and make sure they were registered with their vehicles following all regulations and and rules and stuff and are you you're in a truck or are you on a ATV, a UTV? I mean, how are you getting around out there? So we would drive. It was 90 miles north of Kremlin, Walden is. And uh, so we would drive with a trailer with the UTV, ATV um, in a truck. And we could take the truck in some places. Obviously, once you get up in the mountains and stuff, you need to take out the, the fun toys. So. Cool. And so then you just go out and talk to people and then you drive back and then, then you just get, I mean, you get free time or what time are you getting back at? Um, well, so again, we, it was extended. You could really do whatever you wanted to. So you could, t- it was me and uh, a guy that was, he was actually a Col- Colorado uh, wildlife police officer. I think that was what he was. And so a conservation officer. Yeah. And he'd been working with the state. He was an older guy. He was like 65 or something. So. Um, he was giving me all kinds of stuff about the Colorado state wildlife and, uh, but anyway, so you could, you could talk and set your day and, you know, if you say, I want to work 12 hours tomorrow because I want to have a three day weekend, that was absolutely doable. You know, as long as you got your 40 hours, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. The boss, the bosses there are generally people who are really into what they do, you know, like the, the off highway crew manager, he loved dirt biking. He loved riding ATVs and, you know, that's, that's basically his job. So, um, he was a really cool laid back guy. And I talked to many of the managers in that same, um, job description for like river, river patrol or, um, something like that. And they were just 
very laid back people. And as long as it was budgeted and you were a hard worker, they didn't really have any issues with it. Nice. Nice. Um, so I, I do have to ask. And so it sounds like you got some freaks. It sounds like a really laid back, awesome job. So you were checking, so you're checking permits. You're, I mean, what, so when you go out and talk to people, are you, you know, looking for people, you know, like, Oh, this guy's doing a wheelie. We need to get out, you know, law enforcement out here or something like that. Or how did that work? Yeah. So uh, obviously we're not law enforcement. We can't uh, arrest anybody or issue tickets or anything like that. So that would be the uh, SOP would be to call law enforcement. If we saw something, Um, typically we would just talk to somebody and say, Hey man, get your registration. You can go to the nearest gas station and get that filed and it's $25. You know, it's not that expensive. Um, if we see you riding around, then we're going to call law enforcement and, uh, the tickets more than $25. So that's really your call. Um, that was, that was the extent of, uh, any interactions that I had with people on the registration front. There are some speed limits, uh, that you can't, you can't exceed in like front areas going into public land just because it's heavily trafficked. So, you know, you don't want people zipping around 70 miles an hour on a dirt bike when there's a truck coming around with a trailer. So um, if we see people speeding, that was a, you know, you, you instantly have to call law enforcement and try to get that guy to, you know, slow down and be safe. So interesting. Um, and uh, what were, uh, and this is, this is kind of a loaded question. And uh, having worked as a ranger myself, I know this is kind of, uh, you get this question a million times, but uh, what, what's the weirdest thing that you saw? What's one of the most, some of the interesting experiences that you had? Well, I'll tell you about my Labor Day experience. So this was just one day. Um, one, of the, one of the bigger days out on the sand dunes and, uh, you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day, everybody's off. They want to take their family out for the three-day weekend, camp out on the sand dunes, have a big bonfire and drive their, drive their vehicles real fast. So, um, pretty packed area and um they're in there like sardines you know it's like every trailer next to each other next to each other next to each other and they're big trailers because they got six atvs six utvs they got all this stuff and um when you put that many people in a small area it just causes conflict and it causes accidents and that kind of thing so um we wake up and it's around eight o'clock in the morning and we're out there doing our first patrol and uh we start hearing you know, scream and yell and all this kinds of stuff. And we go over there and this guy is saying how somebody ran into his, his Jeep, um, his Jeep Wrangler, and he took off, you know, two, two Jeeps had collided and somebody took off. So he said it was an orange Jeep and we're going to go look for this Jeep. So we, we never ended up finding the Jeep um, throughout the day, but uh, continuing on throughout the day. So that's, that's around eight thirty nine 9 o'clock, right? So yeah. that the day continues on and uh we we start to hear sirens going off because law enforcement is there on one of the heavily trafficked days and uh we start you know we go over there to go see and it is on one of the entrance roads where there is a speed limit enforced and uh you know we start asking people a lot of people are crowding up and we're starting to ask you know try to see what's going on we're asking law enforcement and we see people on the ground turns out there was an accident um there the road that they were on there are full-size vehicles allowed on that road and there's also any you know 40 inch 52 inch any kind of axle length allowed on that road so anyways there was somebody coming west and obviously somebody going south and they collided into each other so there ended up having to be a helicopter come in and fly somebody out of there Um, one person did break their femur and there was a casualty in in the accident a dirt biker Um, he wasn't wearing his helmet and uh, obviously speeding um, so there's, there's a lot of traffic and there's a lot of things that can happen when you're not paying attention, but, uh, that was around, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. Um, so I'm already thinking to myself, this is one of the craziest days I've ever had in my life. You know, I just watched this helicopter land on a pin in this dirt road on a mountain and I've seen an accident, a, a hit and run, you know, before noon. Yeah. So. You know, I go to, I go to get my lunch, and we're eating lunch on the on the side of the road there. And you know, we have somebody come up to us, and they say, "Hey, we need your help. We need your help." So we go over there and go check out what's going on. And uh, there was an old man who was holding a broomstick, and he was <laughs> okay. he was swinging it around, 
you know, so we, we, you know, we're like, what is going on here? We, we get over and we start talking to people. There's people grouped up. There's a group of 15 people we're talking to. And apparently what happened was there was these kids that, you know, you got your whole family there, six, seven year olds. I believe the license there, there's no license to driving the ATV on public land. You know, if you're, if you're underage and you're supervised by your, your parent who has a driver's license, there's, there's really nothing, you know, we can do about that. They just obviously have to wear a helmet and obey the other regulations, a registered vehicle and the speed limits and such if necessary. Um, so these kids were driving around in places where there was a speed limit. Apparently they were driving much faster than this old man thought was okay. Um, <laughs> he had his speed gun at the ready and, uh, he was clocking them in at, uh, 17 point six miles per hour i guess but uh he, you know he's swinging this this stick around and apparently he'd hit these kids with this stick while as they drove by because he told them to slow down so we had to get law enforcement involved and uh, take him out of there and he's i'm just us, picturing old man yells at the clouds yeah it, it was i mean it was so that was around noon we're having lunch and the man's drunk already it's labor day he's embracing his american culture and um he was wasted so he's asking us he says well what should i have done you know come get us and tell us he's like oh anything anything besides what you yeah yeah (laughs) so you know that was noon um the other the other thing that happened around uh the closing sunset of the day was uh we had a high-speed chase that i actually got to be uh i wasn't a part of it i like to think i was a part of it i was kind of just tailing at the end there but you were uh, swinging a broomstick. Yeah, <laughs> I was sweeping up. I was looking for anything that he threw over the side, you know. And uh, so there, there was a guy who just was speeding in a place he shouldn't have been. We flashed the lights to give him a little warning, and uh, he turned around and took off even faster. So everybody took off after him, and they apprehended him and gave him a speeding ticket, and he wasn't driving for the rest of the day. So. That was uh, that was Labor Day. It was one of the crazier <laughs> days of my life, and uh, I'll always remember that. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, that sounds nuts for sure. Yeah, old man swings broom at sky. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just like, sir, put put the broomstick down. You are doing literally nothing, and you're scaring me. So they did take him. <laughs> they took him to jail that night, and. Uh, Oh, the old guy, old head, got arrested too. Well, I mean, he's assaulting a child. Yeah, that's that's how that goes. <laughs> oh. you, can't that. <laughs> you can't do that. So they they took him to jail, and uh, he, I think he was bailed out because I saw him the next day, and uh, you know he was just driving around. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" Like, yeah, what's going on, sir? You know, <laughs> sober up. Yeah, yeah, he was totally no. fine. He was super cool. He didn't have any issues. That's crazy, man. Um, well, and I guess, uh, you know, some, uh, some more questions here. What, w- what was your favorite part of the job? So the job was great. I would say my favorite part was just the place that we were at. Um, the be- being a part of the federal government and on their housing property, they were pretty lenient with uh, any sort of outdoor equipment that we wanted to borrow. Um, and again, it, so what it's called is a maxi flex schedule. You can work, you know, four tens, three, twelve, whatever you want to do to get your 40 hours, you know? So, um, we, we would just have three days off and we could go take, you know, rafting equipment, camping equipment, whatever we wanted to go do. And it was a blast. I got to experience the, uh, the, um, eclipse in uh, 100% totality over in Casper, Wyoming. That was a, that was a blast. Um, just the amount of free time that you had outside of the job and even during the job, you know, a lot of the times there wasn't a manager that was going with you. Um, it was just, you go out, you lay out the signs, you obviously have a map and have the ability to read that map. And you, and you weren't using ways. Well, actually yeah. you probably should have used ways <laughs> because it would have just put you in the middle of nowhere and then you would have been good. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, there, there was, a lot of stuff to do just in the area. I mean, national park, the Rocky mountain national park was 40 minutes to the North. So, I mean, you get your year pass there and you can go anytime you want. That's awesome. Well, Zach, do do you have any questions for, uh, for Gabe here? 
Uh, yeah, one that I've been just thinking about ever since you said Western Colorado is what what type of uh, wildlife are you running into? Like, I'm sure there was mule deer, but like mm-hmm. rattlesnakes, elk, lions. What kind of cool stuff did you see that was no, just different? No snakes. Um, what did we see out there? I did see some bear. Not too much, though. A lot of people ask him where the bear were. Everybody was hunting for bear. Um, really? I did see a ton of elk, a um, couple close encounters with moose. I mean, it wasn't not too many. Really? Like so I you said, saw there, moose out there. Yeah. So, but like I said, there was there was a fire in one of the main areas where we were signing, so there wasn't too much going on over there. Um, you could see for miles. So there was, and there was no vegetation for anybody to be eating or anything like that. So pretty quiet over there. Uh, I was there from, when did I go out there? End of April till October. So, um, you know, that's kind of their summer season, hot season. Um, not too much going on out there. Yeah. Especially just like the habitat that we were in, it was so dry. It was, like I said, it was like a desert kind of area. So, not not too many big animal going out, but if you drive it was so when you say west colorado i wouldn't I wouldn't characterize it as West Colorado um because it's not quite at grand Junction um, so Colorado Springs is probably seventy miles or so east of the border or west of the border to nebraska so um we're we're about in line with Colorado Springs at Kremlin, so we're not too far okay. to the west. I thought you I thought you said the west side of the Rockies. You're on the east we, side of the Rockies. Well, we're we're on just the west side of the Rockies. So, like Rocky to get to Rocky Mountain, you do have to go east and north. You know what I mean? So, like Estes, oh, Estes sure. is just on the east side of the mountains, and we're just on the on the west side of the mountains. So it's a really weird. Uh, kind of habitat you know like when you go to estes park it's much more colorful and you know your fall there is really cool the aspens are popping and all that kind of stuff but you know in in the kremlin area it's it's really deserty there's not much for trees there's there's a couple of spruce and pines but um you know just mainly ponderosas and nothing that exciting sure okay um, yeah i just i just don't have my colorado map in my head right it's it it, it was a really uh secluded portion i mean it's not like everybody's you know visiting kremlin colorado um i could explain it more in you know places like colorado springs and rocky mountain national park you know um i don't know if you've heard of grand lake colorado that's another place that was semi-big that was by there um but yeah i mean more northeastern but uh not quite central you know sure yeah I'm looking at it on a map right now. Yeah, you guys are kind of in the middle of no man's land mm-hmm. out there for sure. Yeah, and yeah. so like I said, that's everybody out there. They just ride dirt bikes and ride motorized vehicles. That's what they do. I mean, and then in the in the winter time, you know, it's snowmobiles and and that kind of stuff. So I mentioned Grand Lake, Colorado. That's that's like they say that's the snowmobile capital of of Colorado. That everybody goes up there and does their drag races on the lake and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that's real cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, Zach, you got any? Uh, I think we've got a wealth of information here. Um, you got any uh, closing questions here? Uh, not that I could think of. It sounds like a kick-ass job. It was a lot yeah, of fun, for- man. I mean, it's really easy to get the jobs too. Um, it does take a lot of time. So, for people who are going to apply, I would say don't get discouraged if you don't hear from them in the first two weeks. It is the federal government; they're going to take some time. Um, Definitely apply to as much as you can. Right before I went to Kremlin, Colorado, I was actually going to go um, to Barstow, California and do something similar. Uh, Barstow, California, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's uh, the same kind of landscape as, as Kremlin, Colorado, but it's the pretty much armpit of California. Um, yeah, that's uh, by Reddit, right? Yeah, it is right in between um, Los Angeles and las vegas it's on the highway that uh i don't know if you've seen fear and loathing in las vegas that is the highway that they drive on right through barstow california that's actually where the movie starts but yeah it was a a place that i 
was going to go to and then ended up finding a place that was going to provide housing. And like I said, if you're going to provide housing and a community, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess, uh, and you kind of touched on it, but um, just as a closing piece, if you had a recommendation for anyone that wanted to become a, a BLM ranger or wanted to become an off-road vehicle ranger, what, what recommendations would you give them? That's a good question. I would do some research on the areas that you're going to apply to, and I would definitely open up your bandwidth on things that you, you know, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be in the BLM or forest service or national park service, you might not get exactly what you expect. Um, I was not expecting to be on the uh, off highway vehicle crew. Um, I wasn't even expecting the range of job titles that my coworkers had when I was working there, there was river patrol, there was soil science, there was uh, forestry, there was all kinds of jobs that were available. So, you know, just check it out on usajobs.gov. There's, I believe, March and October are the good times to check it out. March and September, I would say. I would check and see what kind of job offers they have there. They'll post them in large groups. So um, if you apply off-highway vehicle, there'll be maybe 25 job offers. You can apply to all. There'll be maybe 160 with the Forest Service. That's with River Patrol. You can apply to all, you know, so. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think that closes it out, Gabe. You gave us a ton of insight. Um, I mean, was there any closing remarks that you wanted to say before we uh, cut into the next segment here? No, I think that about wraps it up. I think uh, everybody should definitely experience it. It's a, uh, it's not a full time job. So if you wanted to do it and try it, well, it's full. Well, it's full time, but not permanent. Right, that's what I mean. It, it yeah. so, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not permanent. So you're not stuck into it for the rest of your life you can experience one place and that's the other thing is you can kind of bounce around um out west you can go from colorado to idaho to different national parks you know once you're in with the blm you can have an easier time getting a job with the national park service with the forest service since you already have experience and uh, that's just the way that you climb up the gs ladder there yeah uh, that sounds sick well, um, I think that can close it out. I, we definitely appreciate your insight here. Um, I think we can go into our next segment here, and this is a, a, one of our favorite segments. Uh, we'll go into hot gear, cold beer. Gabe, since you are our guest, would you like to start? Uh, well, I'm always drinking Miller High Life. You know that. So cheers to that, boys. Okay, so Mil- Miller High Life. Is that, is that uh, the champagne of beers, or is that uh... – Gen- no, that, is that genuine draft? No, no it, is, is- it is the champagne of beers. Okay. And then you got any uh, any hot gear for us to, to try? Um, not so much, man. I've, I've been working like a dog and just kind of using some power tools. I guess uh, I did get a new uh, power saw. I got the uh, DeWalt double bevel, the 12-inch. So, is that a 20-volt or an 18? Uh, it is the 20-volt. Oh, it's a good, good, good machine. I run all twenty volt DeWalt's myself. Yeah. All right, Zach, what do you got for us? Uh, nothing too crazy for cold beer. I'm just going Bush Light. Um, too far as hot tomorrow, gear, I believe. Oh no! That? Last no, last week was uh, last week was that, that booty ass <laughs> Bud Light seltzers. Those that things are cheeks. <laughs> I have heard they sm- they taste like fart. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd try it just to give the people some insight. They're straight <laughs> cheeks. Straight booty sweat. Cheeks and booty fart. Sw- <laughs> booty sweat makes a tonic if you're into it. Um, as far as hot gear goes, I got uh, I'm sure everybody that's ever been into an outdoor store has seen it, but Deer Hunter and Trapper's Hide Tanning Formula, uh, orange bottle. Oh, yeah, everyone knows about that, of course. I mean, you always see it around, I don't know. <laughs> you're going to a Bass Pro, there's like a whole uh, you know, shelf of it. It's good stuff. Uh, makes a real nice, supple leather out of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to using it on all my coons this year. Uh, what's the name of it? It is uh, Deer, Hunter, and Trapper's Hide Tanning Formula. 
sponsor us. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us sponsors. Also, uh, since my cold beer was so, uh, you know, run of generic, the mill, I'd like to do a recipe. Maybe we can swap some of those out every now and again. Yeah, yeah. Well, Zach, if you got a recipe, hit us. Well, actually, we'll hold off. Let me give my hot gear cold beer real quick, and then we'll do Zach's cooking corner. Uh, uh, so, for my hot gear, I will, uh, I will say. Um, that's a good question. I would say my anti-hot gear is Rome SDS bindings for a snowboard because I was snowboarding and I was sticking to, you know, green circles, blue squares. And my girlfriend was kind of getting her bearings and uh, not even tearing it up. And the binding snapped right in half, hmm. snapped right in half. So booty, booty, Rome. I mean, still sponsor us. But your binding was booty and you let me down. So if, if they don't return my request for a replacement as part of their warranty, I'm going to be very salty. You will be receiving a strongly worded email. Um, and then for my uh, cold beer, because I've been doing, quote unquote, doing uh, sober January, which I was back home this weekend and I did have a few drinks. Um, I will do... Uh, I'll do Alaskan Amber by Alaskan Brewing Company. Um, I had one of those this weekend, and they're delicious as always. A little bit heavier amber, but uh, they're pretty dang good. So, um, yeah, I would say try that out. And, Zach, you wanted to hit up your, your cooking corner here, so we'll do the next segment, Zach's Cooking Corner. Go ahead, Zach. Hit us with the recipe of the week. Well, so I shot some sandhill cranes in Oklahoma in November. And uh, moving around some stuff in the freezer, I found a pair of crane legs, which are just about as big as turkey legs. Um, Throw them in the oven. I braised them at 350 for about two hours in chicken broth and garlic. Uh, Hold them out shredded all that meat up you know all the all the tendons and stuff kind of broke down a little bit i threw all that into uh pre-made uh fried rice so we just did like carrots uh celery rice uh egg you know whatever else goes into a fried rice that you want and then just basically had a chicken fried rice but with sandhill crane legs and it was awesome Braising made it nice and tender. Um, yeah, it just kind of all went together really nice. And then we used, I don't know if anybody's been to Benihana, but uh, that mustard-based soy sauce, we nabbed some from that last time we were there, and I'm going to be making a lot of that. But that was an awesome sauce to put over the top of it. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That sounds really, really good. So, all right, well, uh, I mean, was there any tips that you had on that recipe? Uh, I'm really getting into braising lately. So just if you got tough cuts, braise them down. It seriously should shreds them up nice. 350, some kind of wet liquid. <laughs> Give it, you know, two, three, four hours. You know, I've done wine, chicken broth, uh, beef broth, you know, whatever. Just Grind down those tough cuts, and you can get a lot more meat out of your stuff. And so you're saying nice. you're saying shred it. Don't don't just don't just take it off the leg, huh? You could. I mean, you could you could just grab that sucker, just like a turkey leg or chicken leg, and just start eating it like That's that. That's what I was picturing. I was picturing a glaze over it, medieval style. Yeah, I mean that the braise is perfect for that because mm-hmm. then it just tenderizes it, fall off the bone style. Perfect. I just wanted to, you know, add it to a whole meal just to extend that sure. a little bit farther. I just wanted to give it the old razzle dazzle. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> well, I think that closes out this week on Between Two Pines. Uh, Gabe, we can't thank you enough for being on here. Um, it, you gave us some great insight. I think, uh, you know, our listeners are going to enjoy hearing about uh, stories as an OHV ranger. Um, yeah. And uh, any closing remarks from anyone? Any plans for the weekend? Uh, for me, to, uh, what do I got this weekend? Oh, this weekend? No, I have, I have class this weekend. I got Ooh. more snow coming down here. 
You'll be plowing. You'll be you'll be playing with your joystick all weekend. <laughs> I'm just gonna be uh, hitting the trap line and hopefully get some coyotes and some bobcats. Yeah. All right. Make well, sure cool. make sure those coyotes well, have not eaten any kids. Yes, please. Right. I'll, I'll make sure they will because I'm just a problem solver. <laughs> but all right, well, cool. That was another weekend between two pines. Uh, once again, follow us on Between Two Pines Pod on Instagram, and uh, follow us on here. We're on all of your streaming services for podcasts. And uh, yeah, give us a follow on Instagram. We're going to be posting some. We'll post some pictures. We'll post a picture of that goat so you could have nightmares. And um, yeah, so that'll be good. All right, that'll close it out. Thanks.